On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, we're embracing the joy of the spring season, talking PGA Tour action in the Palmetto State, NBA playoffs, the NFL draft and stars on the move, our Major League Baseball World Series predictions, and we put a bow on the March Madness Tournament, Easter memories, and much more. All straight ahead on the Marcus Wall Show, and it starts right now. Clear the mechanism. school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome into the Marcus Wall Show on this holy and uh, certainly tremendous Saturday before we hit Easter Sunday, here again from the Batcave, home of Kevin Libby, Marcus Walsh with you, and Kevin will join us here shortly. Um, have a lot to get into, and uh, certainly hope everybody's having a great weekend regardless, um, you know, leading up into Easter Sunday with whichever your traditions may be. Uh, certainly going to be heading off to Mass in the morning uh, for me, and then... Uh, I think honey-baked ham is on the docket. Maybe honey-baked ham and, and sweet potatoes with, with my mom and dad tomorrow in the afternoon. Uh, but it should be a pretty laid-back go of it. A um, couple of things that I want to make you guys aware of right off the docket, which you probably already know, but uh, I will allude to them again. The Hilton Head Choral Society is going to be having their concert on May the 13th, that is the uh, the concert that we tried to have a few weeks ago on April 1st, no fooling, and uh, the title, of course, is For We Wish You Music, and so May 13th, 7 o'clock, over at First Presbyterian Church on Hilton Head Island, right on the main island, just minutes away from the dude pad, and uh, it's going to be a great concert, so we're going to get back to rehearsing here shortly for that. And, uh, and then the America Sings concert and uh, some other stuff certainly going on with Memorial Weekend. And the Mary Green Chorale, of which I also sing in, is going to be performing a concert titled Just for Fun, and it is that for sure, on May the 10th. And that will be at All Saints Episcopal Church on the north end of the island. So that's going to be a busy week, and we've got rehearsals that I'll be involved in for both groups Um preparing for essentially, well, not essentially, but for uh, preparation of three concerts within the span of about three weeks. Going to be busy times a-coming, so just wanted to let you guys know um, about those. And uh, had a great time over at the Heritage Christian Breakfast on Wednesday morning. Filmed uh, some interviews and, and whatnot and talked to a lot of great people for WHHI-TV's Daily News that aired on Wednesday, and I've, I've shared it certainly uh, with folks. And then um, plan on having a couple of things uh, to go out and about to do in the next couple of months uh, with the station as well. But things are rocking and rolling two weeks into the Daily News, and uh, congrats to everybody involved with that. It, it looks great. It sounds great. It's, it's fresh, and uh, things are definitely going well with that. Um, Let's see, I will 
get into the sports side of things with initially talking a golf update and what a job it was by <laughs> by Scotty Scheffler. This guy is absolutely on a roll. He has won a plethora of tournaments the last couple of months, four to be exact, and doing tremendous things on the golf course. He was able to hang on and win the Masters last week, and what a tremendous moment it was for he, his wife, uh, his entire family that was there, some of her family that was there, to garner in the win. My prediction going back to last Thursday was Cameron Smith uh, to win that tournament, and he played terrific as well. A lot of great uh, golf being played during that weekend last weekend, which was interesting because of the fact that the weather was less than ideal or conducive to typical Masters play in April. If you go back to 2020, of course, you'll remember that the tournament was played in November, and... uh, it, it played kind of like November. It was windy, It was and it continues to be windy here in the low country, particularly the Bluffton, Beaufort, and Hilton Head Island areas. Um, it was rainy and soggy, and it just did not. It was chilly at times as well. It just did not play like your typical Masters tournament, but the, the uh, just spectacle that is and the drama that is the Masters took off on a completely different level, I think, because of that. And it was a great tournament to watch, and it was great to have it back with, you know, a bunch of fans there and uh, and all of the, the hoopla and what essentially makes the Masters the Masters and not only, in my opinion, the best major in all of the sport, but the best tournament in all of the sport. There is nothing like it. I've never been to a Masters tournament, but it most definitely is on the bucket list um, of the the great tournaments that uh, and and great sports spectacles. And I've seen a lot of great ones over the years, but that's that's one that I definitely hope to get to at some point in the future. Um, currently, our jewel of the Palmetto State in the golf world, the Heritage, is going on at Harbor Town. And I tell you what, I, I say this being that uh, I follow this guy very closely and he is on my fantasy golf team. Patrick Cantlay off to a tremendous start and he looks to keep it going as he'll tee off later this afternoon at uh, 2 o'clock as a matter of fact. And he'll tee off with Robert Streb uh, again at 2 o'clock. Cantlay 9 under, Streb at 7 under. Jolt Damon fell off a little bit yesterday afternoon towards the end of his round. Another one of my fantasy guys, Cameron Tringale, is at 6-under. He tees off at 150. Currently underway on his round is Harold Varner III. Saw a really good uh, piece that he did with Dustin Johnson the other day. And uh, Harold Varner III is tied for 36th at... Again, three under with a host of others, including Pat Perez. Um, Camilo Vijegas is at four under. Matt Neathsmith at four under. Adam Hadwin at four under. Shane Lowry at four under. He's had some really good moments the first couple of days. The cut line for 
This tournament was at plus one and just missing the cut, or rather, uh, it was at even, and just missing the cut were guys like Kevin Kisner, Chris Kirk, Harry Higgs, Russell Henley, um, Lanto Griffin, Chesson Hadley, uh, Willie McGirt finished off at plus two and was certainly a guy to look out for. Willie McGirt, I actually found this out courtesy of Bob Stevens on the WHHI Daily News earlier this week, moved from um, around... Uh, I can't. I can't think of the the name of the town off the top of my head, but um, a little a little ways within South Carolina to Bluffton. He is a Bluffton resident, so that's a that's a pretty cool fact. And uh, certainly, I did not pick a winner for the Heritage, but there are a plethora of guys that could do it. Um, Cameron Young is at six under, tied for third with Aaron Wise, Cameron Tringale, Eric Van Royen. And Joel Damon, uh, Graham McDowell, five under, tied for eighth. Graham has had a great career at the Heritage as well. There are a plethora of guys that have a chance. And Eric Young, uh, rather Cameron Young, really has impressed me a lot here in his early going. Tyrell Hatton, also tied for eighth. Kevin Nod, Jordan Spieth, all getting things underway. Or uh, will soon get things underway there in Harbortown. So... There are a ton of names. It's it's a really tight field, and conditions today are going to be a little bit tricky because there could be some rain coming in about 2 o'clock or so, and then tomorrow it looks like it might even be a little bit of a greater chance that we see some rain showers in the area. And so, you know, we'll just see what happens the next couple of days, but things look, look pretty daggone good as it currently stands. Um, coming up, we're going to talk some uh, NFL draft, you know, who might go where. There's still a little bit of things going on with big-time stars in new locations. Uh, I talked last week about my Major League Baseball predictions for the season before the season started last Thursday. I'll quickly review those and then talk with Kevin about World Series predictions, his and mine. I will refresh those for you all. Uh, we're going to put a bow on March Madness, talk Easter traditions, and uh, the NBA play-in games are finished. We've got our picks for the NBA playoffs. All that and more coming up straight ahead as we spring into spring here on the Marcus Wall Show on this day before Easter. Segment two with Kevin here at the Batcave coming up next. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in South Carolina. This message presented by the South Carolina High School League and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show here from the Batcave, home of Kevin Libby. And Kevin joins me now here for segment two. And uh, we are devoting segment two to the world of the round ball, that being basketball. We're going to start off with the nice catch 
We're going to start off with the NBA. That fly did not have a chance. Kev, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I promise flies in my place are not a consistent thing, but it is the season. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. If if flies are the only thing we have to worry about with all the allergens and whatnot in the air and just it being damp and, and spring-like with some of that stuff, we're, we're A-OK. This is a cave, after all. That's, that's true. Um, so, certainly... Thanks for the hospitality. Great to be with you again, my friend. Absolutely. And uh, let's rock and roll into these NBA playoff picks. Get started here shortly. And uh, the first game on the docket is the first game of the day. Uh, Tomorrow, I believe, the first game of this series will be played. And it's between the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks. The Cleveland Cavaliers played a tremendous uh, tremendous game, I should say, with Atlanta last night. Unfortunately, they went down 107 to 101, and uh, it was it was a tight game. Cavs played great, but the Hawks, with a huge comeback, led by Trey Young, get the victory. And like I said, they end up taking on Miami. That game, uh, one o'clock tomorrow on TNT. And I really like Miami in this series, despite Trey Young, you know, being a tremendous player. The Hawks have had a great season, but I think Miami is going to be collectively putting it together. I didn't put down in how many games these series would end um, be in, with the exception of the NBA Finals. But the consistency of Miami, you know, they, they went from kind of towards the bottom this year, working their way up. They're the number one seed for a reason, Kev, and I like the Heat to uh, to move on. Can you remember the last time an eight seed beat a one seed in the NBA playoffs? <sighs> Does it have something to do with, like, Dallas over Golden State or I think it was Dallas over somebody back when Don Nelson was still coaching in the in the West? It might have been Dallas over San Antonio, um, like around the 2000 2000- Five, uh, let's see, eight beating a one in NBA history. Oh, 94, there it is. Wow, I was not even close. Denver over Seattle in 94. Um, I don't know, was Sean Kemp on that team or was he still with the Cavs back then? Oh, that's a great question. But I, I loved Peyton and I loved Kemp, but I don't know if they were together that early. I would doubt it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a while. Who? So I'm just trying, yeah, Miami, all day. They play defense, yeah. Atlanta doesn't, moving on. Fair enough. Boston and Brooklyn is the next matchup, and game one of this series is also tomorrow, 3.30 on ABC. And I went back and forth with this one, because as you'll recall, I had the Nets preseason coming out of the East and uh, going to the NBA Finals. I don't at the current moment. And I just think there's still too many issues with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, surrounding what they have now. You know Kevin Durant, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be there. But beyond that, I just think there are too many variables and a little bit of inconsistency that doesn't work in the Nets' favor. I actually have your Boston Celtics winning this series and, and moving on, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but... I'm saying it. 
Beantown. They're they're more consistent. I'm from Boston. I grew up playing NBA Jam, where, by the way, Sean Kemp and Detlef Schremp were on the Sonics back in 94, so I am mistaken. Kemp was there since 89. Ah. Uh, before the cheeseburgers, he was pretty darn good. Yeah. Looking at Brooklyn, they're bringing back Ben Simmons probably by game three, so says reports. What is Ben Simmons going to do as a kid who hasn't played basketball in two years? 6'11", we haven't seen him make free throws or a jump shot. Uh, on the Celtics side, Lob Williams, you know, Time Lord, Robert Williams. Hope, we're hoping after one month off of a meniscus tear that he's going to come back and play some effectual defense. Boy, I wouldn't want to bet against Kyrie and KD offensively. I get that. I can't wait to see Kyrie in Boston get booed like wackiness. I know on this this podcast we talked about when that guy threw something at him, which was dumb. I, I don't think we'll see that. These tickets are too expensive. Playoff tickets. But, uh, yeah, I'm picking my seeds because of the depth. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about the Celtics on this podcast, and I'd like to. They have this kid named Peyton Pritchard who comes off the bench. You're familiar with Kyrie when he was in Cleveland. Do you remember when they would use him? Not He'd be a starter, but they would use him as the scoring option when LeBron was seated? Absolutely, I do, yeah. And I know LeBron doesn't spend a lot of time on the bench, but what I'm trying to say is having some relief scoring off the bench is helpful. Uh, if you can keep your scoring up while maintaining defense, which I think the Celtics can do. They can switch everything. I don't want to bet against KD. I don't want to – I mean, Kyrie – has only played what you know 25 games this year he's fresh yeah not not many it's a long stretch i mean if he has conditioning Kyrie's gonna be just fine kd has one game single-handedly for this team i think he remains the best scorer in basketball i don't see how the celtics defend him necessarily it's probably gonna be jalen brown getting that task uh again the celtics are very very deep excellent defensively and offensively it is the time for jason tatum to show he's a top five player if he can do that and overcome this team I mean, this is the best matchup in the playoffs right now, from my opinion, round one. I can't wait. It's 3 excuse me, 3.30 tomorrow, ABC. I'll be there. Got to think Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and Lisa Salters will be as well. Don't know that for sure, but I have a gut feeling that's, that's at least the game one that they're going to have. Um, Milwaukee and Chicago is next. That's the three-versus-six matchup out east. And game one of that series is tomorrow night at 6.30 on TNT. And I'm going to go Bucks on this one. Chicago's had a great year, much like the Cleveland Cavaliers did. Cleveland won uh, 43 games this year. Chicago won 46 in the regular season. They've had, a, they've had a really good year, but the Greek freak and company, really, it revolves around the Greek freak and... I see Milwaukee winning this series. This might be the most lopsided, possibly, of the first-round Eastern Conference series. This might be a sweep for Milwaukee. I think Chicago will be competitive, but Milwaukee's on a different level. Yeah, this series ended when Lonzo got hurt, so we're moving on. (laughs) The uh, final first-round series out east is Philadelphia and Toronto. And I know Philadelphia is going to be having a player that will not play in Toronto because he's not fully vaccinated, and that could certainly hurt. But with the deal that I thought might have a chance to be made uh, months ago, you know, I, we talked about it on the show, and then the trade deadline happened, and it, it was indeed made. Where in the world is everybody going? Um, what a What a job that deal was to get Ben Simmons over to Brooklyn, and, you know, it, it started off really well with James Harden in Philadelphia, 
it's been a little topsy-turvy lately with he and Embiid and company. But despite all that, this Toronto team isn't quite the Toronto team we saw a few years ago. I like Philadelphia in what could be the tightest series of them all in the East, possibly. Toronto definitely has a chance, and without Philadelphia being at full capacity on the road, Toronto has a fighting chance to win this series, but I think the 76ers get the slim edge and get it done. You like Drake? He's all right. I think the fact that Toronto is the five and Philadelphia is the four, which means Philadelphia has game seven at home, might actually be a difference maker. That said, Joel Embiid looks like an MVP candidate. He's played all year. Uh, yeah, Harden's getting old. Yeah, Harden's slow. Yeah, Harden doesn't play defense. But, you know, he spread the floor, and he's a pretty good opposite. Joel, certainly better than Simmons. I will also take the Sixers in the series, recognizing it's the tightest one in the East. Now, I am going to ask you what you would prefer to do. Do you want to do the first round of the West or finish out the East in terms of our playoff predictions? What are we missing on I'm, the East? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. I, I'm going all the way to the Finals. Oh, 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 no, I want to do round one. And then we'll, then we'll, then we'll jump ahead we'll, if we want we'll, to jump ahead. We'll play it out. Um, so, okay, we'll start off with the West then. And uh, the number one seed, Phoenix Suns, against the number eight seed, New Orleans Pelicans. Good thing that, uh, you know, the Pelicans were able to get in. I, I like Phoenix in this series. You know, they're, they're arguably the best team in the NBA, in my opinion, and without the scenario of Zion Williamson possibly being back, he's getting there, but we're not sure if he's going to play in this first-round series. I think Phoenix just has too much firepower, and uh, and I'm taking the Suns. Has a chance to be somewhat competitive, but the Suns, they're the best team, in my opinion, out west, and they could be the best team in all of the game. Best team in basketball? Not a betting man, but if I was, you know, even if you're not making much money, those Suns, Barring serious injury, and I mean, even if Chris Paul gets hurt, they'll still beat that. They'll win that series. They just wouldn't win a ring. I think they're the best team in basketball. Agreed. And uh, while I am thinking of it, the Philadelphia-Toronto series begins today on ESPN at six o'clock, and then the Phoenix. And New Orleans series that we just previewed begins tomorrow at 9 o'clock on TNT. Memphis and Minnesota, the 2 verse 7, begins today. Memphis and Minnesota, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. And you look at two teams that have won 40-plus games. The Grizzlies have won 56. The Timberwolves, 46. Sorry to... uh, Minnesota fans, and certainly to Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, but I'm going with John Morant and the Grizzlies. They are a really good team. They, as the two-seed out west, are a legitimate threat to possibly get to the NBA Finals. I like the Grizzlies, and the Timberwolves may win one game, but I like the Grizzlies big time in this series. Carl Anthony Towns doesn't play defense. So Michael Jordan, if you study his early career, didn't make the All-NBA defensive team until he was pretty well into it. And that's the thing, if you asked him in an interview, he'd say he was the most proud of. Uh, yeah, you got to play defense to win. Memphis is a better team. Next, we've got Golden State and Denver. Golden State will start off as the home team in the series, winning 53 games. The Nuggets with 48. 
in Denver and uh, 8.30 p.m. Uh, yeah, 8.30 p.m. tonight on ABC. And d- despite the issues injury-wise with Stephen Curry, I like the Warriors to get by Denver. And I really like Denver, and I have the last couple of years with uh, Jokic and company. But I like the Warriors to, uh, to win this series. It's going to be competitive. Give me Golden State. I love Jokic. I think he might be the MVP. You know, depending on how votes go, I think he might be the MVP. Jokic is great. However, I don't like the company. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, with respect to the Warriors and recognizing those 1-8 matchups, in two, um, 2007 it was that the Warriors came back. when I think it was the first time that a uh, team had, you know, an 8 seed to be the 1 seed in the seven-game set. That was, the, I believe, 2007 Warriors. So you went Don Nelson on that one. I'm with you. And then the other time it happened was 9-9 with the Knicks. And in the Knicks, they had Patrick Ewing injured and went to the finals. So did they get addition by subtraction by losing one of the best, you know, centers in the game? Perhaps, because maybe running your offense through the center position isn't a good idea. And certainly the modern NBA has bore, bore that out. Uh, I think that might even be true of the, the, the Timberwolves when they lost Cat. Anywho, I'm with you. Give me those Warriors. Why wouldn't you? Next and the final game of round one in the West at 1 o'clock today on ESPN. It's the Utah Jazz, a 49-win team against the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is the four seed, Utah the five, and this is where I have the upset coming. I like Utah, and I, again, have liked Utah the last couple of years. Um, I like Utah to beat Dallas in this series. Again, game one, 1 o'clock on ESPN. I just think that there's a little bit more continuity with Utah, and their their firepower is pretty strong. I like them to win a pretty good series between two teams that are maybe in the second tier of these playoff teams in the East and West, but should be a fun series. Yeah, this is the first time we'll disagree. Uh, this is my favorite series that's not Boston versus Brooklyn, and I'm not going to bet against Luka, not in round one. He's pretty good. That's that's a fair point for sure. Um, going to be a fun series. And honestly, a lot of these series could go either way because you've got stars literally all over the place. That's what makes the NBA playoffs the NBA playoffs. Moving into the uh, second round, the semifinals, I've got Miami going up against Philly, as do you. And uh, I'm going to take Philadelphia. I, I just think that, you know, with Joel Embiid, with Harden, you know, they'll have that first series under their belt. It's going to be definitely a fun series going up against a very solid Miami team. But I like Timmy Legler's Philadelphia 76ers to definitely get it done. Cool. I'll take Spo because, you know, I'm not a huge Spo fan, but I think they have a deeper roster. They play better defense, and I think they the depth and defense will matter in the second round more than the first. Give me Miami over Joel. That would be quite the upset for sure. Wonder if we'll disagree about this one too. I like Milwaukee over Boston. Again, it, it revolves around what they have there with the Greek freak. And Boston's had a, a very good year. They've they've turned it on over the last couple to few months. But I just think Milwaukee has too much firepower, especially being that they're going to have some games towards the middle of the series at home. They can start off hot in Boston. I think they could get this done. But 
I see this game, this series rather, not being a sweep. I think Boston will take a game or two, but I like Milwaukee just a little bit more when it comes to these two teams. I get it. I get it. They're the champs. But I like depth and I like defense. And I'm telling you that if you watch this series, you're going to know Derek White and Marcus, Mar- Marcus Smart's names pretty well. I think that Marcus Smart and Derek White with Jalen Brown, again, if they can get past Brooklyn, have tremendous exterior defense. And if Big Al Horford can stay healthy, now keep in mind, Lob Williams is coming back hurt. Big Al's old. The Celtics' ability to defend the interior in that series would be huge. We've seen him do it in the past against Giannis, but that was a, a younger, less experienced Giannis. He is, I'm not sure he's the MVP, but he's, in my opinion, the best franchise player in basketball if you were starting a franchise today. Uh, I will pick Boston just to be uh, devil's advocate because of the consistency of their defense and their depth. On to the West. We've got Phoenix against, I've got them against Utah. And I tell you what, I uh, I really think that Phoenix, you know, arguably, again, the best team in the game. They've, they've got Chris Paul. Utah's deep as as well. This this might be an outstanding series, but I'm I'm gonna go with the Suns. You know, one of those top two teams, in my opinion, in the NBA. Gonna be definitely a fun series to watch. I like the Suns to keep on rolling. Me too. I don't think they'll face a challenge until they get to the third round. And uh, your matchup there, you took Dallas. Over, uh, over Utah, so it would be Phoenix and Dallas, which also would be a great matchup to see for sure. Uh, Memphis against... He's at Golden State. Golden State, right. Um, couldn't read my own writing there for a second. Uh, I'm going to go with the depth of Golden State. Steph Curry and company, you know, you figure that Draymond Green's going to do Draymond Green-type things if he can get out there. He's definitely a warrior and definitely has his own mind. I think he's there's nobody quite like him in, in terms of his bully-like nature. He's just a, a big bad man out there. Um, I like Golden State. I, I think they're going to have just a little bit too much for Ja and company in Memphis. Yeah, it's a Stars League, so I'm with you on Golden State. Uh, big and bad for a guy who's only 6'7". I say only 6'7", because we're talking about the NBA. What's your comparison? I, I get that one's a point forward and the other one was a post player, but would you ever compare Draymond to Sir Charles Barkley? Sir Charles was like 6'6", and he played out of his brain. He, was, he could jump, he could play the post. Draymond's 6'7", plays like he's 8 feet tall. Um, I think that he is being Draymond is a little bit less I don't know if I want to use the word athletic. I would I've, I I guess I can. I think that Charles Barkley, believe it or not, was a little bit more athletic. Um I think that Draymond just has too much of that mean streak in him. I, I've always thought that he's had, you know, a lot with a lot of the incidences that he's had, he's got a little bit of that mean streak in him, to say the least. It's a pretty good comp, but it's not 100% there, in my opinion. I think one of the most heady plays in basketball over the last couple decades was when LeBron got Draymond to get himself ejected and suspended. It won the Cavs the series. 
mentality. It's huge. Uh, I'll let you have some personal gripes against Draymond if you let me, for no reason, just keep knocking on Kyrie. Sure. Why? Why not? There are a lot of things about Kyrie Irving anymore that I don't particularly care for. I'm, I'm all for it. But me and Kyrie, we have a history. Do you know? You know the Boston stuff. Boston. Yes, yes, absolutely. We're in a series. I, I, tried, so I tried to throw in a little bit of suspense there. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like cheering for a Yankee. It's not going to happen. So we are on to the championship series for uh, for each. And, and reminder, again, my preseason pick was the Nets and Lakers um, for the finals. Didn't. Didn't quite get there, um, but you know we'll we'll see how things shake out uh, in the West. We'll start off with the West. I have Phoenix going up against Golden State, and I tell you what, it could be a really interesting finals of the Western Conference to see the Suns and the Warriors battle again. A lot of people early on in the season had these two teams as the two best in the West, and obviously Memphis snuck right in there to split the difference, if you will, with the fact that they got the two seed, and uh, Golden State the three. Should be a tremendous series between these two teams, but I'm going to stick with the bright, shiny, Chris Paul-led Phoenix Suns. I say they go back to the finals and and get it done again with a chance to uh, get some revenge in the NBA Finals. My pick coming into the year was the Nets in the finals against the Phoenix Suns. I think that if that aged, I was born in 85, by the way, same year I was born. If the president of the Players Association can stay healthy, I'm talking about CP3. If Chris Paul can stay healthy and Devin Booker continues to be Devin Booker, you know, those Warriors are special. I'm not saying it's going to be a wash, but I'd, I'd take them to five or six games. I'm going to go with the Suns all the way to the finals. And then in the East, let's see, Phoenix. You got the Bucks. I have the Bucks taking on. You picked Brooklyn over Boston. Uh, I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. You picked the Bucks over Boston. You picked. I've got Philly. Yep. Philadelphia, the four seed, against Milwaukee, the three seed, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I didn't. I didn't organize my material all that well. Um, so yeah, I've got. Milwaukee with the victory is the three seed over the four seed Philadelphia 76ers. Again, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Don't ask me how to spell it. Um, (laughs) Getting the job done should be a great series between Philadelphia and Milwaukee, in my opinion. Going to be a lot of fun. I've got the rematch of Phoenix and Milwaukee in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I don't like Philadelphia as much as you do. I don't like Milwaukee as much as you do. Can I go Boston all the way to the final? Hey, this isn't just my show. This is our show. <laughs> you can do and, and you you are so gracious saying that it's my show all the well, time. It's our show. You may do whatever you like. I may have a reaction to it, but feel free, my friend. Go Beantown. I'm exactly. I'm trying not to be too much of a homer, but as someone that loves basketball, I'll take a team with perimeter shooting and depth and defense over a team that runs their offense through their post 10 out of 10 days of the week. So I've got the Suns and Bucks in a rematch. 
Kevin's going with the hometown pick. I, I tell you what, ten I, days a week. I I All wanted. I really wanted, and and we'll get into baseball here in a little bit. I wanted to take the Guardians to the playoffs. It didn't happen. Spoiler. And a lot of you already know that from the Facebook Live video that I made last week, which lasted about an hour. Um, <laughs> so I've got Milwaukee and Phoenix in the rematch. You've got Phoenix and Boston in the NBA Finals. My winner, I'm going to flip the script. Milwaukee had a great year last year. They won it for the first time in 75 years. Congratulations to Aaron Rodgers and Giannis and and everybody involved in, in Milwaukee. But this is the Suns year this year. I like Chris Paul, Monty Williams, and company um, Aiton as well to get it done. I, I'm thinking it'll be a seven-game series. Phoenix over Milwaukee in seven. Book it. In my Imagineering, I've got Phoenix. You're, I have to interrupt you for a second. You're Imagineering? You like that one? That's a term. That's, People that's use it. That's interesting. It's in the vernacular. It's like, it's like imagination and engineering all rolled into one. Indeed. So... The way I think about it is if it's Phoenix or if it's Golden State, the Celtics have, you know, Peyton Pritchard's going to shoot, doesn't play great defense, he's small. If you've got Derek White and Marcus Smart playing lockdown defense and you can get Jason Tatum playing with a focus towards offense, which means he doesn't have to defend the best offensive player in the, on the court. Um, you know, in 08, it was Paul Pierce defending Kobe. And Pierce didn't necessarily go off offensively. He certainly matched Kobe pretty well, but he was mostly in that, you know, matchup playing a lot of defense while Ray Allen was scoring, while KG was working his matchups. So what I'm saying is that if the Celtics can stay healthy and stay deep, I think Chris Paul's health is too much of a wild card. I'm taking Boston to the end. I think Phoenix is a better team, but it's the playoffs, and it's going to be – in fairness, they spread the games out, so the old guys will be fine. We hope. I'm telling you, across seven games, give me the Boston Celtics for the first time since 8 Let's do it. I'm, I'm going to say this right here and now. If Boston ends up getting to the finals, we'll have to get together, regardless of who it's against. Maybe go to street meat, get a, get a bison burger. You can get that burger with wings on it if you want. We'll, we'll have to definitely celebrate. Playoffs? Dude, it's the playoffs. Every game's an event. And, again, seven-game series, and a lot of these are going to go deep. It's going to be a fun two months of basketball. Let's do it. There, there's no doubt about it. So there you have it. My finals, I've got Phoenix over Milwaukee. Kevin's going the hometown route with Boston over Phoenix. It's going to be fun regardless. Just like the March Madness tournament was fun, my final four was busted as most were. Um, I even talked with, uh, with my buddy Josh Butler, who is one of the bartenders at Coconuts, sports bar there at the beach in tennis he said nobody had kansas going up against north carolina and obviously being a duke fan i was thrilled to have kansas win that game and it was a great game i felt so bad for armando baycott i felt bad for a um uh manic brady manic as well and it was just a great game, a great season for all of these teams. We were able to get things back going. Um, obviously, we had our first major Cinderella in years with St. Peter's. Congrats to St. Peter's. They were outstanding. 
I talked about it ad nauseum on this show and certainly with friends and whatnot that I thought Duke could be a team that got into the second round and got bounced out or that Duke could be a team that could reach the Final Four and contend for a national championship. Well, they did the latter. They lost in heartbreaking fashion to North Carolina in the Final Four. First time it had ever happened that those two teams met in the March Madness Tournament, let alone the Final Four, let alone in Coach K's last season. And a tremendous season for Duke. Um, Just great, great moments again out of this tournament. It always delivers the amount of parity, as I had talked about, was on point with the fact that the only one seed, which ended up winning it all, that's Kansas, that uh, made it to the Final Four was Kansas. Um, my my national championship was Auburn over Gonzaga, and obviously that didn't happen. Purdue ended up getting beat by St. Peter's, um, who ended up losing badly to North Carolina. They had a much better second half, but they ended up losing badly. Just this tournament was off the charts. Big plays, big calls, big teams, and big moments. And like every other year, as Jay Billis says, the March Madness Tournament is absolutely, wholeheartedly, 100% book it, count it, and call up a neighbor. It's idiot-proof because at the end of the day, we've got it, and it's great seeing the players play for the names on the front of the jersey for the team that they belong to, for the school that they belong to, rather than just for themselves. And it's just so much fun to watch. Oh, by the way, I'm going to let Kevin chime in here in a second. But two more things I want to mention. Dick Vitale, cancer-free, officially. He rang the bell the other night, and he's got his voice back. I've, I've read you know reports that he's 80% of the way there to getting his voice back. We look forward to hearing him back on college basketball next season. And did you happen to see, I'll throw you in here with this, did you happen to see what the Duke University basketball team did for Coach K and, and I guess this was supposed to be done this upcoming Christmas, but they gave it a present to him a little bit earlier. If you haven't seen it on the internet, go, walk, go look at this puppy. The cutest little chocolate lab that I have ever seen, and I actually happened to read that its name is Coach. I, I was thinking that they might name it Duke, but they named this uh, little chocolate lab Coach, and the affection that Coach K had for this little chocolate lab puppy was instant. The The puppy started licking his face like crazy. And John Shire with the great line, and John Shire now, of course, is the head coach of the Duke basketball team. He said, you know, we thought you needed something else to train because you're retiring and whatnot. And apparently I had read after that that this was in the works, that they were going to give him this, that the family was going to give him this puppy. But it was as a Christmas present, but it was, you know, orchestrated by the Duke basketball team as a present after his speech during the team banquet, the team banquet, which was on Thursday night. I was almost in tears watching that. I know I'm a huge Duke fan and all the sentimentality with their season, whatever this year, but it was just such an awesome moment. And that's got to be one of, if not the cutest puppies of of all time. I, I love labs. They're they're just so dead cute. As you know, I am not a Duke fan. But now that he's retired, 
in the same way I didn't like Bernie Williams of the Yankees, and so I just loved Bernie Williams of the Yankees. I didn't like Derek Jeter, that bum, until I loved Derek Jeter, the captain. Uh, now that he's done, good for Coach K. I, I did enjoy oh. watching him coach Team USA, and those Duke Blue Devils were always there. I tell you what, John Shire and Hubert Davis, you talk about two guys that were right for the job after taking the reins from two absolute legends of the game, and North Carolina had a legend before the legend of Roy Williams, of course, in Dean Smith, and obviously Coach K was at Duke for 42 years. So um, a new era has dawned in the ACC with those two guys taking over, and Hubert Davis, the ability that he had to put everything in perspective after losing the national championship was incredible. I said it right from the get-go that he was the right man to hire. And again, I'm not a North Carolina fan, but I am a Hubert Davis fan. He was the right man to hire for that job. And he did a heck of a job coaching that team. They struggled for the first half of this season, but they ended up getting to the national championship a very complete team, and don't be surprised if North Carolina and Duke, but especially North Carolina, is back in the mix for another chance at a national championship next year. I'm, I'm calling it right now. They're going to make a very deep run next year in the tournament. I mean, coaching in depth in college basketball is where it's at. It's why I picked the Jayhawks. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's all there. Um, I want to talk more about St. Pete's. Yeah. Uh, Shaheen Holloway is going to leave that school office. He's now at Seton Hall. Uh, it's because of money, you know? And, and I tell you what, that's a heck of a hire, too. As as good as the hire was to elevate Hubert Davis at North Carolina, Seton Hall is an up-and-coming program in the Big East. Great hire getting this young guy. And I'm going to give it up for some administrators. I love the transfer portal. Because these kids who committed to St. Pete's and brought them there as the talent on the floor just lost their head coach. And because we modify the transfer portal, they can go play at some really good D1 programs. And for a lot of these kids, actually probably two or three of them got a crack at the NBA. Love that. Uh, quick comment on the girls' side. We talk about coaching and how to coach your players first and have winning be second is what makes a great coach. Don Staley, God bless you. Carolina forever to thee. The women are champions in Carolina once again. And, you know, kudos again to Gino Oriema at UConn. He does it as good as anybody, maybe even better. Um, kudos to Stanford and the great season that they had. And then the other team in the mix in the Final Four, trying to do it off the top of my head, it was South Carolina, Stanford, UConn, and Louisville that got it done as well, getting to Minneapolis and the final four, kudos to all of those teams. and uh, But there again, kudos to Dawn Staley for what she's done. I mentioned in my Facebook Live series when I was a bit under the weather the last couple of weeks um, about the relationship that Dawn has had with assistant coaches and whatnot, and she definitely has a Buford connection with uh, some of the coaches over at Buford High. And I tell you what, she's just done a remarkable job and will continue to South Carolina women's basketball, again, is on the map and one of the great programs in all of women's basketball. I love calling the girls' games with you. I love it. And I love that some of these 
exceptionally talented local athletes can look up and see Aaliyah Boston not just as a Gamecock in Crimson, but pretty soon as a star in that WNBA. Oh, there's no question. She is really, really good. So, to put a bow on it, Marcus, March Madness this year, would you call it sane? It was incredible. It was it was incredible and and slightly insane. Um, just to see as much as we saw of these teams and to have all of the games played back in their locales with the way the bracket is, is formatted and to have, you know, the women's game instead of just being the women's national basketball championship, it's under the label March Madness too. Uh, or I should say it's under the label March Madness as well, which is tremendous in its own right to be on the same uh, level and same playing field as the as the men. It's the NCAA's tournament. It's the highest collegiate tournament by you know since the NIT. The now no not in tournament tournament, which my UMass Minutemen won by the way, back when we had Dr. J. But now no one cares because the NCAA tournament is the premier basketball tournament for college players. Pretty fun. It, it was a great uh, final of the NIT. Oh, by the way, with Xavier knocking off Texas A&M. I said it before. I'll say it again. I know that NCAA March Madness tournament's over with, but Texas A&M could have been a huge team in this March Madness tournament if they were given a chance. I still think it's a shame that they weren't, but they get to the NIT final, lose to Xavier, and uh, it was a great college basketball season, both in the women and men's uh, arenas, if you will, and uh, looking forward to what happens in the playoffs for the NBA. That'll do it for a lengthy segment, too. But when we return, we are going to talk, uh, might as well talk some baseball. I'll review my winners for divisions and playoffs and World Series. We'll get Kevin's thoughts on the World Series. It's all straight ahead in segment three after you hear this on the Marcus Well Show. We'll be right back. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. South Carolina High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the South Carolina High School League and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back into the Marcus Walsh Show. We are talking Major League Baseball. And to start it off, let's uh, go over the current standings and then I will quickly review my playoff scenarios and World Series projections, and I will do uh, the same with, with Kevin, pick his brain a little bit. In the American League East, the Toronto Blue Jays are 5-3. and three. Thank you, Kev. <laughs> They're 5-3 and three and leading the way. The New York Yankees 4-4, four and four, as are the Tampa Bay Rays. And then the Boston Red Sox 3-4, and four, Baltimore Orioles 2-5. and five. Again, it's early. In the American League Central, the Chicago White Sox are at 5-2, 
The Cleveland Guardians, despite losing last night, are still over 500 at 4-3 and three and are in second place in the division. The Detroit Tigers are in third at 500 at 4-4. Four and four. The Minnesota Twins at 3-4. and four. The Kansas City Royals at 2-5. and five. The Houston Astros at 4-3. and three. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in second place in a three-way tie with the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners all at 4-4. Four and four. And then the Texas Rangers are at 2-5. and five. And that is the American League West. Thank you. Um <laughs> So that's the way things look in the American League. In the National League, the New York Metropolitans are 6-2 leading the way. The Atlanta Braves off to a slow start at 4-5, tied for second with the Washington Nationals, again at 4-5. The Miami Marlins are 3-4, and and the Philadelphia Phillies are 3-5 to round out the National League East. In the Central, it's the Seas that are on top. The Cardinals 4-2, the Cubs 4-3. The Milwaukee Brewers, 500 at 4-4. Four and four. The Pittsburgh Pirates at 3-4. And, and then the Cincinnati Reds at 2-6. And, and in the West, boy, what a start the Colorado Rockies are on. They're at 5-2 and, and in a three-way tie with the San Francisco Giants, who, ble- who beat the Cleveland Guardians last night, and the L.A. Dodgers, of course, also at 5-2. and two. The San Diego Padres, a.k.a. the San Diego Fathers, are 5-4, and four, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are are at 2-5. and five. With that, I will quickly go over my picks for the baseball season. Just to review, again, I was on for an hour on Facebook Live last week talking about all these picks from the dude pad, again, on Facebook Live. I had the New York Yankees getting the number one overall seed and winning the AL East, then Toronto, the number four seed, Boston, the number five seed, as wild cards. I really like the fact that we've got three teams that'll make the postseason. We expanded it just as the NFL does theirs. In the uh, AL Central, I've got the Chicago White Sox getting that number two seed receiving a bye. The Minnesota Twins, Cleveland Guardians, Detroit Tigers, and Kansas City Royals. In the West, I've got the Houston Astros as the division winner, the LA Angels of Anaheim as the final team getting into the playoffs. Then to round it out, Seattle Uh, rather Texas third, Seattle fourth, and the Oakland A's fifth. In the National League, I've got the Atlanta Braves getting that uh, division one, and they are the number two seed overall. The New York Mets getting a wild card spot as the four seed. Non-playoff teams in the NL East, Philadelphia, Washington, and Miami. The number three seed overall in the National League, Milwaukee. The number four seed overall in the National League, Cincinnati. The number six seed overall in the National League, Chicago. And then uh, non-playoff teams for the NL Central, St. Louis and Pittsburgh. The Cincinnati Reds were my surprise team coming into the season as of last week. And then the L.A. Dodgers getting the number one overall seed in the NL playoffs, winning the division over the San Diego Padres, the San Francisco Giants, the Colorado Rockies, the Arizona Diamondbacks. My playoffs look like this, with Chicago taking on Houston, Um, actually Houston over L.A., and then New York over Toronto, and then uh, Chicago over Houston, and Chicago getting it done. First off, Toronto beating Boston, I beg your pardon. Then New York, Toronto, Chicago, Houston, Chicago over the Yankees in the ALCS, Chicago to the World Series. In the National League, the one and twos again get buys. 
got Milwaukee over the Chicago Cubs. That's 3-6. The New York Mets over the Cincinnati Reds, 4-5. Atlanta taking on Milwaukee. That's 2-3. Atlanta advances. And then the L.A. Dodgers over the New York Mets. L.A. advances. And then Atlanta taking on L.A. And I've got the L.A. Dodgers representing the National League in the World Series. I've got Chicago losing in the World Series to the Los Angeles Dodgers in six games. My NL, we'll start with the NL. My NL Rookie of the Year is Cincinnati Red starter Hunter Green. My AL Rookie of the Year is Detroit Tiger first baseman Spencer Torkelson. The NL Cy Young, Walker Bueller of the Los Angeles Dodgers. AL Cy Young, like Kevin with his NBA final pick, I'm going homer. I've got Shane Bieber winning the American League Cy Young again. And then MVPs, Ronald Acuna Jr. of Atlanta winning the MVP. I almost went with Freddie Freeman, who went from Atlanta to L.A. to play with the Dodgers. Going with Ronald Acuna Jr. instead. And then my AL MVP out of Toronto, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Thoughts? I like the Vladdy pick. I mean, you know me. I'm a big Jays guy. So I like the Vladdy pick a lot. Uh, for Rookie of the Year, I'll comment on that one. I really like the shortstop that those Royals have. I think Bobby Witt Jr. is awesome. I think he plays the most important defensive position besides, I guess, pitcher. Uh, for MVP, I really like Shoyo Otani again or Trout. But I think the Vladdy pick is solid. Because, again, I think that the Blue Jays are coming out of the East period. I don't think the Yankees are very good. I don't think the Red Sox are very good. I watched that opening day game and had a blast. Um Coming out of the West, I did pick the Dodgers. I don't know. I mean, I picked the Blue Jays coming out of the, the East. I picked the Dodgers out of the West. I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers, the Brewers, the Brewers, are a surprise come the fall. Um, who is your maybe off-the-radar pick? Obviously, mine, as I said, was Cincinnati, and they're starting off the year kind of miserably. Again, it's very early. Right now and I'll get to that in a second, but right now the Guardians are the surprise in all of baseball, in my opinion. Stephen Kwan, outstanding. Owen Miller, outstanding. Jose Ramirez, doing Jose Ramirez things, and he's going to be a Guardian for seven more years. Thank you. Uh, hopefully they'll sh- they'll sign Shane Bieber soon, and they, they've got Emmanuel Classe, and they're shelling out money to the guys that want to stay there, and guys making an impact, and I didn't expect a 4-3 and three start already, but the Guardians look really good despite losing last night. Who's, a, who's your surprise pick maybe of, of an off-the-radar team? Hmm. Which dark horse makes me say, nay, I would go with you – like, you like that one? I would go with uh, depth of managerial skills. So I like the Rays because of the Heim Bloom legacy, and I like the Athletics because of Billy Bean. The Mariners – Maybe. Uh, not really, but maybe. And then are, are the Mets at this point, they're, they're, they're too – to say the Mets are going to be good, just like I did last year, is uh, that's not exactly a dark horse. Um, I would love to see a small market team do well, but I think it's going to be another you know strong year for the Braves and the Brew Crew. I think just based off my predictions, I think Tampa Bay might be your best bet. I had them going a little bit – uh, down a peg or two. Um, I, I don't think that Oakland's going to be very good at all. 
a lot of people disagree with my my thoughts on you know Cincinnati certainly being improved, um, but I, I think they have a chance to. I really don't think that Miami's going to be very good at all. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be very good at all. Baltimore's an intriguing one because they've got some young talent, but it's still very young. And they've got a few pieces, but not very good at all. That's why, Kev. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of these divisions that have four, three or four teams that do things the same way and do things very, very well, and then a team or two down at the bottom that's not even close. I think Milwaukee might be, in terms of how baseball is played with speed and whatnot, just smart baseball, I think they might be one of the smartest teams, per se, with their product on the field in all of the game. You know, I look at the way the Guardians play, and they're they're playing very smart baseball right now, too. Um it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, it's just getting rolling, my friend. Just getting rolling. Can you believe they still play 162 baseball games before the playoffs? You know, it's like it's the sport that more than any other major American sport is based on the gate. They want people coming in the door, and at this time of year, hope springs eternal in the spring, man. It's, it's going. Everyone still has a chance, at least at this point in the season. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun season. I definitely hope to get to Atlanta to get to their new ballpark. Uh, sometime this season, plan on getting to Progressive Field again this summer on a, on a trip to Ohio. Not sure when that will happen this summer, but I vow to make it happen. Um, a lot of great things to look forward to in this baseball season. I'll go back to the Cleveland Guardians and what I've seen and heard out of them so far. The left fielder that they have that I didn't know anything about until maybe about two or three weeks ago, Stephen Kwan is breaking records daily. He has yet, and I don't think he did it yesterday, but he has yet to actually swing and miss at a pitch. He's been incredible at the plate. He's being very smart at the plate, as are the majority of the Guardians. Owen Miller, just these these young kids, really shining. Oscar Mercado's off to a a better start with, with the pop. The average has to get there. Jose Ramirez being great. So far, the starting pitching has been very solid. The uh, The bullpen has been pretty dang solid, solid as well. When you go up against Carlos Rodon, who ended up no-hitting the Cleveland Indians last year and is just a tremendous pitcher, new, new team, new organization, new city, but Carlos Rodon's doing what Carlos Rodon does uh, right now. My surprise being a weekend, definitely the Guardians out of Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, Quan on Vegas right now is a top five rookie of the year pick. That's oh. pretty solid. You get to the playoffs, I think your top three pitchers are never more important than in the playoffs. I get that at this time it's all about, you know, we're seeing in the early season nobody's really pitching more than five or six innings. I get it. I know in the playoffs they're still really relying on the middle relief pitching as the basis for uh, success and depth. But I don't think there's many better aces in the game than Shane Beaver. He's definitely, in my opinion, a top three or four pitcher in this game. Uh, I'd like to see him get paid. But I'm with you. The Guardians are a lot of fun. I just think those White Sox are so tough that they're a wild card team. Talk about your Indian or the uh, the Guardians, rather. And, yeah, man, I'm as a fan of baseball and a fan of Marcus Walsh, let's roll. And, again, I, I flirted 
with the idea of having the Guardians make the playoffs. I flirted with the idea of a lot of these teams making the playoffs, especially out of your AL East, because I think New York and Toronto are outstanding. I actually, I mean, just me. And I think Boston's going to be better than expected, too. Even Tampa Bay is pretty dang good. Um, It's a good division. And, you know, the fact that I don't have the Padres making the playoffs might, to some people, be a little bit of a head-scratcher. There's a lot of really solid, really good teams. And uh, it's going to take a while to get all the kinks out, get things going for the regular season, being that they're starting a week late. But... I'm excited, man. It's it's something. Yeah, I think the East is going to beat themselves up. So you're going to see one team come out of the East, and then you'll get your wild card team coming out of the Central or the West. And that's why I'm saying one of those West teams could slip in like a like a you know. You ask why would I ever pick the Athletics? Well, they they play money ball, and if you can pitch a little bit and you can hit a little bit, then maybe just maybe you'll get 84 wins. Your boot. It's going to be fun. Let's see. Um, I got my picks for. MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. Um, I don't think I did NL Cy Did I touch NL Cy Young? I don't think I did. It's Walker Bueller of the Dodgers. He did. Okay. Um, it's going to be going to be a fun year. It's already off and running. Um, I'll tell you a broadcasting note that I'm very excited about is that in Major League Baseball, we've got a new and, – and not that I'm not excited that Joe Buck is no longer the, the voice of uh, sports on Fox. It's not that. But I'm really happy and excited for Joe Davis. He is the main play-by-play guy. He's going to be working with Smoltzy and Ken Rosenthal most every week, along with calling Dodgers games. And he is the new play-by-play voice for Major League Baseball on Fox, and rightfully so, and – I won't get into the whole spiel, but while I'm talking about Joe Buck moving to ESPN, who is going to be the main voice for baseball and certainly Monday Night Football, uh, kudos and, and congratulations going out to Kevin Burkhart as well, who will be the primary voice for the NFL on Fox instead of just the number two guy. Big big news there. A lot of wheeling and dealing and broadcasting with the NFL. We'll get to that as the uh, the days and months continue. Still a long way to go before the NFL season starts. But the NFL offseason, segue, the NFL offseason is in full swing, and the NFL draft is coming up. We're going to talk next about some big moves, wheeling and dealing amongst the stars and teams, and some things to look out for in the NFL draft in a couple of weeks. And then we'll wrap it up with some Easter memories and uh, good time and, and joy between the two of us. Um, we're sure to wrap things up. It's all coming up in our next and final segment of this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. The song Let's Do It by Low Country from the album Saute is always fire. Low Country's music is available everywhere good music is sold. We salute you, Ty. Tyler Brown Multimedia TBMM Productions for all events Low Country. They create commercials, capture events, build audience, and deliver results. 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back into the Marcus Walsh Show. Segment number four, we're going to talk NFL, the comings and goings with stars, and uh, preview some of the things that we're looking out for for the NFL draft in a couple of weeks, and then we'll uh, wrap it up with some Easter memories and just jolly good old talk to to wrap things up. Um, 
let's start off with the big move that happened, a couple of them, but the big move that happened on the defensive side of the ball just the other day with Stephon Gilmore going to the Indianapolis Colts. Also, um, I want to at least give my top three Super Bowl matchups that I want to see next year. Um, not necessarily saying that I'm predicting these, but if I had my pick of three, it would be these three. Um, but Stephon Gilmore to the Colts, that is a great, great pick, and, and certainly the Colts are getting better and better by the day. Um, the other one that happened on the offensive side of the ball that's very, intri- very intriguing, and these Green Bay Packers need a guy like this, Sammy Watkins, goes from Baltimore to Green Bay. Thoughts on those two moves uh, within the last few days, Kev? I've always liked Sammy Watkins. We've talked Me about too. that here. I'll, I mean, you remember he was with the Bills. That was studly. Uh, I think it's a – they paying, what, $4 million? Yeah, and I actually forgot that he started his career with the Bills. I just automatically went to the Chiefs out of his days at Clemson, but I love Sammy Watkins, especially, you know, his days at Clemson and now in the NFL. Fine player. Bargain box player. And, I mean, same – Juju Smith-Schuster was, what, 10 mil going to the Chiefs? Yeah. These are, in my opinion, bargain box players. Um, who was the other one? Uh, the about Gilly Lock, right? Steph? Steph Gilmore going... On, on the defensive side, yeah. Yeah. Gilmore I mean, going to the Colts. Wow. I mean, obviously we saw him in Carolina, and beyond that, the Bills, and then my Patriots. I wanted Atlanta to get him, and then he ended up going off to the rival, but yeah, he's an outstanding player on the defensive back end in the secondary. The Colts are going to be good. Not just... Eh, I don't go that far. They'll be very good. I would guess on 18-win season, we're looking at a 12-win team. Depending on how Matt Ryan does, I think they might even be able to win more than that. I think Indianapolis is going to be really good. Um, And and while I'm talking about Indianapolis, I'll go into my top three Super Bowl matchups that I would like to see in the 2022-23 season. In no particular order, since we're talking about Indianapolis, I would like to see Indianapolis match up against San Francisco to see Matt Ryan get a Super Bowl, and if if this ends up happening, of course I'll be pulling for Indianapolis, to see Matt Ryan get a Super Bowl after all those years in Atlanta, the meltdown against uh, the meltdown against New England, which I still haven't forgotten, and I'm still not over, um, going up against San Francisco and his former offensive coordinator, who is the head coach, Kyle Shanahan, of the San Francisco 49ers, I think that would be bargain, or uh, not bargain box, that's what you said. I think that would be box office, call a friend up, call your neighbors, get your best grub out and, and a few drinks because it's going to be awesome. Um, that That is one. The other is Green Bay and Kansas City. I mean, any time that you could have Rodgers going up against Mahomes, book it, call up a neighbor, get your friends over, off the charts, and then... You know, we'll see how things shake out, but this actually could be my Super Bowl pick for the upcoming year, the L.A. Rams. I understand it's very hard to get back to the Super Bowl after winning it. New England knows something about that, um, I do believe. But the L.A. Rams and the Buffalo Bills, I think, would be a great Super Bowl matchup, and I expect the Buffalo Bills to go a long way this upcoming season. I, I think they're they're destined for that. It wouldn't surprise me if any of these six teams go into the Super Bowl, um, 
but these are the three matchups based off, you know, offense, defense, quarterback versus quarterback, maybe scheme versus scheme, just just general sexy matchups that I would like to see in uh, in this upcoming Super Bowl. We'll, we'll see what happens. Oh, I'm with you. I wouldn't throw away the Ravens yet. I like them a lot for being a wild card surprise somebody team. Usually don't see that kind of a quarterback go that deep into a playoff run. Um, yeah. Yeah, I want to get into the draft picks with you because what fascinates me is the quarterbacks. I, I have to ask you, you know, I didn't ask you to list your top three, but who do you think would match up from the NFC really well with uh, with Baltimore? Oh, I don't think Baltimore will actually get out of the AFC uh, because of the quarterback. I think the Bills are so much better than Baltimore that that wouldn't be competitive. Uh, the Chiefs are, you know, not what they once were, but obviously with Pat can score quickly and rapidly. Um a matchup out of the NFC that would challenge a run-heavy team like that, you would traditionally say the Rams before they lost Von Miller because the edge they would have had with Aaron Donald and Miller. Uh, the Rams would still be pretty solid defensively. I like the Packers for the scheme they run against that Ravens scheme. Uh, the Packers are one of the few 3-4 teams in the NFC. Um, the Bucks, obviously the same idea where they're doing a 3-4 under package. Sometimes they run a disguise. So, yeah, I'd say maybe the Pack or the Bucks would, would have a pretty actually easy time with the Ravens just based on the scheme they run, um, I think they'd be able to lock them down, and then, of course, their offense wouldn't have to do as much. I could I could go, and, and I was kind of flirting with the idea of putting Tom Brady, who, oh, by the way, is back. Um, I'm trying to think if we had talked. He came back in March. If we had a show that we talked about it, if not, and I know the last time we, we got together and did a, a show was at my place at the Dude Pad, um, with uh, Joseph Keith and Austin Mullinex and yours truly, and uh, and you as well, Kev. Um, so we had we had talked about several things there, but yeah, Tom Brady is back. I think it. I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think for Tampa Bay to get back to the Super Bowl. It's going to be going to be pretty interesting. And and oh by the way, they will have a new head coach at the helm as well. But if, if I had to pick a fourth team. I think a a Ravens Bucks Super Bowl would be pretty intriguing. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen, but it's right. sexy, baby. It would be an intriguing matchup for sure. Um, let's get into some thoughts about the draft coming up. Just in terms of the team that I root for hardest, the team that I follow, the Atlanta Falcons. I would like to either see them take Garrett Wilson as a top wide receiver with the eighth pick out of Ohio State. Or I heard Todd McShay mention this as well the other day that maybe they could go after a Malik Willis at number eight as well out of Liberty. I like Willis a tad more than Kenny Pickett because he's a little bit more athletic and Atlanta especially just needs a spark with with the guys that they've lost and they do still, of course, have the phenom from, uh, from Florida and Kyle Pitts, but that offense just does need a spark. If they draft Willis, I don't know if he'd play right away. And, and I'm okay with the idea of Mariota playing a year or two because, quite frankly, regardless of who Atlanta takes in the draft, I don't see them contending this year, maybe not even next year. But those are a couple of guys from my team, certainly, that that I would like to see uh, – them possibly take I know you wanted to get into the quarterbacks uh and and the discussion with that and I think we're both on the same page with this I think Baker Mayfield to Seattle 
Does it seem like that's what's going to happen? Oh, we'll get to learn on that one. I mean, I'm all about what's the quarterback position going to look like around the league before the draft. I, I had thought initially that Baker may go to Indy, and then right after I said that, they got Matt Ryan, which was the right move. Look at who's picking at nine. Seattle Seahawks with that pick they got from Denver for us. Eight is Atlanta. I think Atlanta's a chance to take a high-end quarterback. I like Kenny more than Willis, but... Oh, Ken, Kenny, Kenny, Pickett. Kenny Pickett more. I, I heard more, and I'm like, M-O-O-R-E? Well, no, here's what I'm thinking. I want to know what order these guys are going to come off the board. And I think that, to your point, if Seattle trades for a quarterback at nine, then that doesn't matter. Willis or Pickett could both stay on the board past nine. Uh, I don't think they will because the Giants clearly need a quarterback. The Panthers need a quarterback. Um, I don't have that much faith in what the Jets have going on. You know, I think we could see three quarterbacks in the top eight. But, uh, you know, the guys we follow, Todd McShay and Kuyper, are both putting Pickett and Willis close enough to the Falcons it might happen. What I really want to get into is do you want Chris Chandler as your quarterback for the Falcons or do you want Michael Vick? And what I'm seeing with Willis and Pickett is a little bit like Willis is a little more your Michael Vick style. And then if you want that Chris Chandler who won you a Super Bowl, baby, you want that pocket quarterback who's six foot three as opposed to the kid who's six feet and can run. I'm telling you, you're in a dome. You know where I'd go. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's just because of the fact that Atlanta's offense doesn't have the explosiveness that it once had, with the exception, certainly, of, and I'm talking primarily in the receiving core, with the exception of Kyle Pitts, um, Julio Jones, out. Uh, Calvin Ridley, gone. You know, a few other guys, gone. They need a spark offensively. And I think, I, I could be wrong about this, it's just my opinion, but I think that Malik Willis's arm is just as good as Kenny Pickett's and that Malik Willis is definitely more athletic despite being a shorter guy. Um, there was a guy in New Orleans, amongst others, by the name of Drew Brees, who was not the uh, tallest. You know, you look at Russell Wilson, he's not very tall. Um, I just think that Atlanta offensively needs a standout, show-out kind of guy. And again, regardless of who Atlanta takes, especially if it is a quarterback, in my opinion, they're not going to play this year. And they may not play next year either. Again, remember Mariota has a two-year contract with the Falcons. And I talked about Mariota. You know, he's not a guy that is a top-tier quarterback, but he's athletic. He can make some plays out of the pocket, whether it's him improvising to get a pass downfield or to just flat-out scramble and run. Atlanta, I don't see contending in the next couple of years. So that's another reason why I'm almost like maybe try to get a receiver that can work with Mariota. You've got a couple other guys that have a chance to, to be in the fold I'm really thinking, though, they will go either quarterback or wide receiver. That's at least what I hope they do with that number one pick in the first round being at eight. I wouldn't put him past getting a wide receiver at eight. I wouldn't. Evan Neal out of Alabama is an excellent offensive lineman. Yeah. You're talking about if you draft a quarterback, as a GM, you want that quarterback on the rookie contract because you can build everything around them. However, if you choose to go with the skill positions, you draft a high-end offensive left tackle or, you know, one of these premier receivers, then you have Kyle Pitts, a premier receiver. 
and or uh, premier offensive line player. And then you're going to have to pay the money, but you might have the chance to be a team in a dome with weapons that could go out and get, you know, your B, B-plus quarterback for a whole bunch of money. You can get your Kirk Cousins. Take your pick of player that is going to get paid and might, might, might be available more likely. And quarterbacks and free agents are tough to come by. But the best you're going to get is either a, a trade or, again, if you're the most attractive destination for one of these players that understands how contracts work, like Kirk Cousins, then you're, you're still a, a destination opportunity for a veteran. And just like Chris Chandler, we're back in Kevin's lane here. You're a dome team with weapons and a Kurt Warner dome-style dome greatest show on turf quarterback. They had a pretty good running back back in those days, too, at in the time. And Jamal Anderson with the Dirty Birds and all that stuff. That was that was fun. And I wasn't even an Atlanta Falcons fan back then. Um, I was actually rooting for Denver and John Elway in that Super Bowl that they played in. Um, but there's a lot of things that could go very well. I really like, as we're taking a look at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s mock draft, I really like what, what he's got set up. I think Aiden Hutchinson has a chance to be a really good player. He's got him going number one overall to Jacksonville. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, I think, has a chance to be very good as well. He's got him going number four to the Jets. Uh, he's got Carolina taking Malik Willis. Garrett Wilson going to Atlanta. Evan Neal to Seattle via Denver. Um, Drake London going 10th to the Jets. They could use another receiver possibly. Kyle Hamilton, great uh, guy in the back of the defense at secondary or rather at safety in the secondary, going to the Washington Commanders. It'll be going to be interesting, and we'll have a chance certainly to take a look independently, <coughs> excuse me, at more of these drafts um, that are set up with the mocks leading into the draft, which is just, again, a couple of weeks away. You know, at this point, we don't know yet. So <clears throat> what happens in the Mercedes Dome on the 50-yard line while the Dirty Birds kick for three is just at this point our what 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 fantasy? Ha! Fantasy drafts. Very very well done. That's a ludicrous rap reference for you kids. I'm sure that that's a very old song at this point. Ugh. Luda. <laughs> um, it's it's gonna be definitely a fun couple of weeks to to figure it all out, and for sure we will break it all down the next time we get together for sure. Um. Anything else that you want to talk with uh, the NFL, the draft, moves being made by teams? Yeah, I think Atlanta's going to make a trade. Giants have two picks in the top ten. It's a very expensive thing to do that. Someone's going to jump up to five or seven. Who on the board that you're looking at? You know, is there a franchise quarterback out there that's worthy of the fifth pick? Talking only quarterback? Well, that's where people trade up, but is there somebody on that board that makes you say, if the Giants are looking to move somebody, and they got, again, two first-round picks in the top ten is too expensive for long-term planning, um, unless they really want to. You know, I just want to see what's the wild-card trade that maybe could happen. These are questions you ask me, Marcus. What's the craziest thing that could happen, and tell me and predict it. Now, if you're, you, you think Baker Mayfield is worth a top ten pick? Because I don't. Um. N- no. I think I think I'm gonna stay away from the quarterback position, and I'm gonna say, just based off still what what is needed. 
I'm going to say just an off-the-wall, holy crap, blow your brain up. And I don't ne- I, I'm not necessarily thinking a trade here between teams. Let it blow, baby. Houston at three takes Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State because they still need, in my opinion, a big-time playmaker. Mel has them currently taking Trevon Walker defensive end out of Georgia. Very good player. But they need, much like I was talking about Atlanta, needing a spark with either Malik Willis or a guy that will most likely play every day and quick, as in this year, in my opinion, in Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. If, if there was one pick, you know, and, and I'm not big about assessing trades or predicting trades between teams, um, I would go Houston at three, not taking Trevon Walker, but taking Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. And, oh, by the way, they had done that before with taking a Buckeye in a guy that you and I both know a little bit because we interviewed him. You were my cameraman. Back in 2014. I know we're talking about Braxton Miller. We're talking about Braxton Miller. Um, so that that would be my off-the-wall top five, like, holy smokes. If I'm Houston, I'm getting a little bit excited. Maybe not make the playoffs excited, but I'm getting a little bit excited because you get a great player in Garrett Wilson. And, and Chris Olave, his teammate at Ohio State, he's not a slouch either. I had Chris Olave... I think winning the Heisman Trophy last year. Again, it didn't happen. Again, it was a biased pick. But Chris Olave, a doggone good wide receiver as well. I got a Marcus Mind Blower for you. That's a stretch of an allusion to a Rick and Morty reference on that one. The Marcus Mind Blower I got for you on the Houston Texans at three is that the Houston Texans, with a third overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, will trade back because they have Nick Casario as their GM. They do. He's from the Patriots. You know what Belichick does? Uh-huh. For pretty much every year, they trade back. I think he's going to take value. Interesting. Who, um, and I asked you this off the air, but who sparks your fancy possibly with New England, being that you are a New England guy? I, again, expect us to trade back. Although, again, we have a new director of player personnel, and I think they'll be surprisingly aggressive based on the history of the Pats. But, uh, yeah, the draft as a Patriots fan these past 20 years is usually pretty boring. Um, But I like the value picks and the money you pay for guys in the late first, preferably second and third rounds. We have gotten Christian Barmore. You know, this is late first, but we got guys like Vince Wilfork and Richard Seymour. And, you know, uh, it's not, it's important to remember that Mac was a 15. Tommy came in the sixth round, obviously 199 overall. No one's ever heard that before. The point is, I like value picks, and I think the draft has value in the second and third round, where you're still getting a top 60 player coming out, but you're paying them less, and sometimes you can also get a more of a, a scheme scheme fit, especially defensively. I like linebackers in the second round. I like cornerbacks. I, you know, I would be delighted to see us get a new corner, because I love Malcolm Butler, a Super Bowl hero. By the way, how did we win that Super Bowl? Was it the Butler in the end zone with the pick? Yeah. It's a clue joke. Are you with me? Anywho, I don't uh, care. An- another Super Bowl memory where they just should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Yes, oh. I was rooting for Seattle. 
Yeah, well, Pete Carroll, that's the worst coaching decision in NFL history. Oh, but awful. However, uh, <laughs> when it comes to draft day, I want my Patriots to pick somebody that, whose name I don't know because it's the second or the third round and they're not one of the top 15 players in, in the game. While I'm thinking of it, let's go take a look at some of these teams in the first round, figuring that Mel Kuyper Jr. only has the first round mock. Um, I'm interested in Cleveland, certainly, if they have a first round pick projected from him which would be towards pardon me towards the end because they made the play or uh they did not make the playoffs i'm sorry i went back a year um i didn't happen to see cleveland in the oh uh houston via cleveland taking charles cross offensive tackle never heard of him um new england devin lloyd inside linebacker out of utah utah with a fine year out of the pack 12 that is number 21 um, Tampa Bay taking Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle out of Georgia. They're a bunch of animals there. in Georgia, big guys, guys that Keith Jackson would love. The big hug mullies. Um, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see how things, how things fold out. He has currently uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Kenny Pickett. While I mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously – just really sad news hearing about the passing of Dwayne Haskins. One of my best friends from college, we've had him on the show, Matt Brubaker, Bruin Company. Check it out, especially the episode he did recently where he was talking about meeting Dwayne Haskins, which he did just a few weeks ago, and um, did a very touching monologue. And it's just, regardless of how it happened, just really sad for a 24-year-old kid to um, – be in a situation, um, and I shouldn't even say a situation, but to have his his life tragically end, um, it was it was definitely tough to see that here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, life is precious, my friends. That's that is for sure. And um, speaking of that, do you have anything to add, my friend? Oh, I, I'm with you. He's a young kid. It's tragedy. Uh, love, yeah. Hug, hug your loved ones when these things happen, because you gotta realize that we're only here for a brief gift of a amount of time. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, Want to talk Easter memories to wrap up the show? Uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, I'll be at my mom and dad's tomorrow, and uh, we're planning on doing honey baked ham and uh, sweet potatoes, amongst other things, I'm sure. What are your uh, Easter plans tomorrow? Well, the Celtics are playing the Nets, and so my hope is I'm going to get together with my dad, and we're going to watch some basketball. He's not really an eater, and I know we like to hit on food. Uh, when I was a kid, this was when my mother would give us $10 and let us go buy Easter candy at the CVS. I remember that was my big memory. My brother, who was older, uh, spent his money on things that were expensive, and I was like, no, I'm going to the clearance aisle. So Matt got, like, four things of, like, chocolate, and I went and bought, like, 99-cent, three-liter things of soda. So on Easter morning, I had like four bottles of soda. So it's such a sugar addict. Uh, I think a thing of like berry, you know, the Oops All Berries kicks, which I'll say a different way. I got as much sugar as possible by volume, and he got it by quality. And you know how I buy things, Marcus. I'm, I'm a big fan of volume. I'm with you. Um, is there a certain meal that you like for, for Easter and whatnot if you had to pick one? Again, my dad doesn't eat. Ha- so. Ham's the easy choice. 
I mean, what what are you going to have, you know, tomorrow? If it's after you watch the game and whatnot with your dad, anything? We don't have a lot of traditions on Easter. We, we go to Mass, and, you know. I'll be doing that for sure. Nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, and five years ago was, without question, the the biggest Easter that I ever celebrated, um, being that I was part of the Easter vigil and brought into the church and, and officially, as I said on Facebook, um, stood up for, for my faith and convictions, and I'll put it that way again, uh, definitely a day that I will always remember. And uh, the following day, which was actually Easter Sunday, so I was part of the Saturday night mass, and then the following day I worked the Heritage, but it was still, you know, a tremendous, tremendous day, and can't believe it's been five years already. Five years went like that. Crazy. Um, I remember the day vividly, though, and it was really, really special. It's been a special last couple of weeks, very, very reflective. I've had a little bit of time on my hands to to reflect about things for sure, because uh, I ended up getting like a sinus infection that that had me down for a bit. But other than that, all is all is well. I have recovered, and uh, I know you enjoyed your week off from work here uh, last week, and uh, it was a good time had by you. I heard. Oh, I just got to go to the pool and drink tequila. So that's a I'm not gonna have a bad time doing that ever. That's one thing that I will never do again, is uh, try tequila. Oof, little, little too rich for my blood, so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you say you're never going to do this again, and then uh, I'll do tequila about once or twice a year, and it's usually in a vacation week where I can sleep in the next day. But you got to have a lot of water and do it right. you got to get the 100% agave tequila. It's a little more expensive sometimes, but trust me, you want the good one. Um... Again, I buy it in volume, so <laughs> yeah, I buy the biggest, cheapest, 100% agave tequila. I'm not a guy that does shots. I like to make a margarita with with ice, you know, so if you put enough ice in there, again, you're going to want to sleep in the next day. But it's a great poolside beverage. It can be. The show took a turn that I wasn't expecting. I don't regret it, but I will say this. Kids, please drink responsibly, if without you choose, question. You don't have if, to drink. If you choose to, please do it responsibly. Get it right. Well, in all seriousness, with the uh, especially with the Haskins consideration, um, it's a horrible drug. Alcohol is one of the most aggressive drugs. It's a depressant. It's extremely dangerous. I think there's drugs out there that are regulated in a way that's much more aggressive than alcohol, and I think alcohol is the worst. I mean, I haven't done all the drugs, kids, but alcohol is one of the worst drugs, and if you're going to do it, uh, again, responsibility is the key and foresight I, and plan. Amen. Amen. Hope uh, everybody has uh, – let's let's end the show on a little bit of a, a more joyful Pick note. Pick us up, Marcus. Because, Pick us up. Because that's what we're all about here is we're springing into, uh, you know, Easter and everything else, as, as stated a few times. I don't want to end the show on that sober note uh, or somber note. Um What's your favorite Easter candy? You talked about candy and how much you love it. Your favorite Easter candy. When I was a kid, I discovered white chocolate, which does not have cacao powder in it. It is not chocolate. My math teacher taught me that in high school. That's the same argument as, like, is a hot dog a sandwich? It's chocolate to me, baby. (laughs) 
<laughs> a hot dog, in my opinion, is not a sandwich, if you can believe that. Do you agree, since we're on the subject of hot dogs now? I think it's just one of those things where you're always going to have a, a frustrating debate. It's on a bun. It's between two pieces of bread. It's a piece of meat between two pieces of bread. What do you call he, that? He says yes. <laughs> no, I just like to argue. But I feel better about well, it. Well, <laughs> no, the, the way you conveyed it, he says yes, I say no. For whatever yeah, reason. I'm saying there's a science to a sandwich, and it yeah. seems to meet the definition. Absolutely. Is, is soup, it's, a, is soup it's, a meal? It's a debate that will rage on for years and years and years and years. You, you're a Seinfeld My, fan. Is soup a meal? Uh, <laughs> I, I, didn't, if, if you, I didn't hear it right away. If you promise me dinner, and we go out and get soup, is that, is that a meal? Okay, Banya. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, Jerry, the best. Soup, soup can be very good, and I would say yes, it most certainly is a meal. But a hot dog is, in my opinion, not a sandwich. Well, you have a pretty professional opinion. I know you like your dogs. So I'll, <laughs> I'll roll. I'll roll with you. Um, my favorite Easter candy is jelly beans. I absolutely love jelly beans, and I'm staying away from like the chocolate and stuff that you typically think of with Halloween. Purely a different route. Jelly beans, Easter. They go, they go hand in hand. To anyone who doesn't do this, and you should, again, I was a CVS shopper, um, go to the places that sell candy the day after and get as many Cadbury eggs as you want. They're smaller now than they were when we were kids, but by God, there was a day where I saw Cadbury eggs for 10 cents a pop, and I bought so many that uh, my father had about half of our freezer full of frozen Cadbury eggs, and we ate them for a year. Oh. <laughs> I love when it goes. I, I can't wait for Monday when it goes on sale. There you go, the Easter Monday sale. That will do it, and we finish the show off on a much brighter, cheerier, happy note. Hope everybody enjoys the rest of their weekend. Happy Easter to everybody and how they celebrate. Um, Certainly want to wish a happy Passover to to my friends that are Jewish, of course. Big week for them, which is currently underway. Um, Hope everybody has a great day, a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back soon, certainly to talk much more of the same. The draft uh, in its review, certainly, because it's just a couple weeks away. And a whole lot more. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. For Kevin Libby, Tyler Brown of TBMM, Larry Jackamot, and the rest of us. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the Marcus Walsh Show. I'm Marcus Walsh. We'll catch you again soon. So long, everybody. I said, let's do it.